0: Hello, beautiful, and welcome to the Be the Change in Your Marriage podcast, where I help mamas find peace and love in their hearts and homes without couples counseling or rehashing problems. Today, I want to talk about getting selfish. And I don't mean dropping a couple grand for a spa day or buying yourself Stuart Weitzman heels, necessarily. But if that's your thing, go for it. I've just been reading the brilliant classic book, The Dance of Intimacy by Dr. Harriet Golder Lerner, and my highlighter pen is relinquishing its life in a consecrated quest to capture the profundity. It explains so much of what I strive to be about and to help you with in a better way than I've ever been able to. Does the following quote not speak so succinctly to the mission and movement of Be the Change in Your Marriage? Dr. Lerner from the book, quote, Pushing a partner to change is about as effective as trying to make friends with a squirrel by chasing it, end quote. Honestly, though, every time we reactively push for a different behavior from our husbands, we only get a more heaping dose of samesies. The very best way to change your marriage is to put in the work on yourself, even if he seems to be the problem even if you think nothing you will ever do can ever make a difference. So we get selfish and look to our own growth. We get clear on what we want out of life and what we feel called to accomplish. We get clear on what our gifts are, where our zone of genius resides, and what measures we can take to develop and amplify them. We have more self to bring to the relationship, and our firmness of self enlists him to navigate around it rather than to overtake it. When our anxiety is high around a certain issue, we tend to either overfunction, as in calling the shots, taking over, focusing on the other person in an energy of worry or anger and becoming overly responsible, or we underfunction, distancing ourselves, freezing, ignoring, and avoiding. And get this none of it is bad or wrong. Listen to this quote Overfunctioning, underfunctioning, fighting, pursuing, distancing, and child focus or other focus are normal, patterned ways to manage anxiety. One way is not better or more virtuous than another. Distance and cutoff are simply ways of managing anxiety, not a defect of the heart. End quote. Thank you, Dr. Lerner. Take a moment and let that sink in. What does that mean about all the times you have sobbed in the bathroom while your husband sat on the couch and watched Breaking Bad? Distance, distraction, and avoidance are ways of dealing with the pain of disapproval from your number one, not a sign that he is unloving and all is not lost because you married an emotional reject. Though none of these are bad or wrong, they can yield problematic results. So what is the answer? We think, we plan, we take in the whole picture, and we establish our bottom line. For Dr. Lerner, bottom line means a clear position that you take with regard to a problem in your relationship. You don't make yourself responsible for the other person you take a responsible position in the relationship. Taking that position is the hallowed middle way between taking over and taking off. Though this is not a marriage example, it is a fine example of establishing a bottom line and will get you thinking on the kind of firm position you might take. Kristen's dad was an alcoholic. After flip-flopping between freaking out at him and electing to ignore him, Kristen decided to establish the following bottom line. She would not stay in his home or talk to him on the phone if he was drinking. She would calmly and respectfully excuse herself. Notice how Kristen's bottom line described her own response to her dad's behavior. She could not dictate his behavior, she could only make her response and she tried to communicate with him using non-blaming statements about herself, such as, I have trouble dealing with my own anxiety when I know you've been drinking. One night, he called her, obviously drunk, near her house and about to drive a car. She knew she didn't want to bail him out, so after consulting with the leader of her adult children of alcoholics group, she decided to call the police who picked up her dad. Both of her parents... And her brother raged at her and guilt-tripped her and said, How could you do this to Dad? Kristen's dad called her terribly selfish. Mm -hmm. Honey, nobody said change is easy. But it is worth the effort. She wrote her dad the following letter, quote, Dad, I've been giving some thought to your opinion that I've become selfish And I've come to the conclusion that you have a point there. I am becoming more selfish. To be honest, I'm even working on becoming more selfish. I think that I've spent much of my life looking over my shoulder, worrying about your drinking or mom's problems. And I've put very little energy into getting clear about who I am and where I'm going in my life. Focusing so much on your problems may have given me a place to hide because I didn't have to look too hard at myself and my own problems. End quote. When you get selfish, that is, put some effort into establishing your whole integrated, effective self and deciding what you're about, people will not be able to help responding to you differently. Let's circle back a bit. When you're establishing your bottom line on an issue, it needs to be specific to a specific behavior. We can't close in your man's lack of attention in quite the same way that Kristen Bottom lined on her dad's alcoholism. It would not likely be helpful, for example, to bargain, if you don't put down your phone and listen to me, you'll get no sex for the rest of the week. It is not about punishing. It's about managing our own values and where we're willing to place our time, effort, buy-in, and support So how do we close the distance with a spouse who's ignoring us? Keeping in mind that distance is a way to manage anxiety, we go to the roots and try to establish a safe and welcoming emotional field. Unlike your average internet sales page, there are no shortcuts and no guarantees. We work on ourselves and focus more on how we're managing our own issues and less on whether he's responding in just the way we want him to or think he should. We might say something like, Todd, I think sometimes my intense expectations and reactions to you put you in a difficult position, and I, I apologize for that. I want you to know that I'm working on being more responsible for my emotions and not blaming you. I'm hoping that will help you feel more relaxed when we hang out. You can also add an action that confirms your position. If you've been hounding him to take you on a romantic getaway and he's been resisting, you could tell him, Todd, I've also realized that what I need much more than a romantic getaway right now is to get clear on my own goals. I've signed up for a two-day weekend seminar on finding my life's purpose. It's two weeks from today, so please put on your calendar that you'll need to get Jackson to his soccer games. Consider for a minute when you and your partner are on that pursuit distance seesaw just how altered the scene would be if you stepped completely away from that seesaw. In such cases, it would not be surprising if he suddenly did book that romantic getaway. But that's not the point. We must find the courage to stop clinging to what we think we want and allow ourselves and others to safely be who we really are. And if that means loosening our grasp on our wishes, and let's face it, that's always necessary. You, as the wise, benevolent, self-ruler that you are, can do it. But it's hard. Lord knows it's hard. If you feel stuck, send me a message. I'll be so glad to help you figure out your next move. I'm planning a deeper dive live training on this subject with accompanying worksheets on Thursday. Please join us in the Facebook group if you'd like to hear more. I'm putting the link in the show notes. You deserve all the love and happiness you can hold. Till next time. Bye.